0: In the Lord good this morning? He is all we need. If you have Him, praise God, you have enough. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I want you to take your Bible this morning while the choir's exiting and go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. Isn't it good to be in God's house on a, a snowy hill? Sunday morning, amen, Uh, this is exciting times to be a child of God. I've heard a lot of people say, boy, I wish I could have been a Christian during the Bible times. But you know what? These are the Bible times. This is the time that God has given you and I, He's given us His Word And we're living in the greatest hour to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And I hope you came this morning expecting something good from God. Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read verses 29, 30, and 31. The scripture says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Verse 31, by faith the harlot Rahab perished not. With them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. My goal this morning is to encourage all of us to believe in God by faith. I came this morning to encourage you to trust God. For whatever issue or difficulty you may have this morning, we're going to find out that we can and we should place our 100% confidence in the God of this Bible. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you, God, for your goodness. I ask you today to help us, encourage us, and use us for the glory of God. I pray you'd cleanse us and forgive us where we need forgiving, and may your word go forth. And I pray that you, O oh God, would accomplish what only you can do. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, Amen, and Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. You know, when I was a, a child, I grew up in the the hometown of Pastor Carter and Preacher Carter, and it was Fort Pierce, Florida. It was a wonderful place to be a boy in the the late 70s and the early 80s. But during summertime, you know, when I was a little boy, I would get bored. We didn't have iPhones and iPods and Uh, All these things. I had an Atari game console with like three games. And I'd play that for a little while and then I would uh, fuss and I'd look at my mom. I'd say, Mom, I'm bored. And her go-to answer, she would say, get up and go outside. And I, I needed a little prodding at first. But every time I went outside, that's where the real adventures were. We lived west of town in the country. Uh, Our home was surrounded by orange groves on every side. There was a pond uh, behind our house. There was a pasture where we kept a couple of cows and also some hogs that we raised in 4-H. And adventure just awaited the young boy that would dare to go outside. I had a BB gun when I was about five years old. When I got to be about eight, I got a twenty-two rifle. I had fishing poles. and I could literally go out from morning until evening, and the sky was the limit, and the greatest place to be was outside. Outside. That's where all the fun happened. I think we need to get back to that today. Say amen. Well, today I want to use these verses... And I want to talk to you about a different kind of outside. Not going outside to play as a young boy, but a biblical kind of outside. You notice in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, there's a lot of miraculous things that happen. I mean it's the it's called the Hall of Faith. And you notice as God's people believed in Him, God did what nobody thought could be done. I think sometimes we define the word miracle a little, uh, we dilute it a little bit. Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, we'll say uh, all kinds of little things are are miracles, but actually, A miracle is the setting aside of a lesser law to make room for a greater law. It's the setting aside of a lesser law to make room for a greater law. For example, when Jesus stepped out on the bow of the ship in the stormy seas, and He said, Peace be still, The law of nature had to step aside because there was a greater law speaking. It was the divinity of Christ and His omnipotence, the fact that He has all power even over nature. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he looked to the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth and the law of death had to step aside for the law of life in Jesus Christ. It was a miracle. When Jesus, after his, after his resurrection, when he was seen of many, and then he ascended back to heaven. He defied the law of gravity. And it was a miracle. Many places in the Bible you can see those type of things happening. You can see where Jesus went outside. You can see where the disciples and many others went outside. For example, the man in Mark chapter 2. The scripture says he was lame, he was crippled, he was sick. And four friends got this man. The scripture says he was born of four. They literally carried him to the place where Jesus was... But the the Bible tells us there was no room. They could not get him in the door because of all the press or all the people. So they went to the roof and they, they, uh, they destroyed the tile and they literally hoisted him down in front of Jesus. They went outside of expectations. No one would expect them to go to those lengths for their friend, but they did. How about when Peter walked on the water? He said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. Jesus said one word. He said, come. And Peter stepped out of the ship and he began to walk on the water. Somebody says, but he sank. I say, but he walked. He walked. Why? Why? He was willing to step outside of safety. How about going outside of rationale? When God called Abram, He called him to go to a land that He would show him later. He called him to leave his home place and everything comfortable and everything familiar and go to a place that he would be shown at a later date. Abraham stepped outside of rationale. The early church disciples stepped outside of comfort as they preached and proclaimed and were beaten and were imprisoned. That's a miracle. The setting aside of a lesser law for a greater law. Now I want to say a word about faith, which is a subject matter of this chapter. Faith really is acting on what God says even when everyone and everything else calls it irrational. So we have the miraculous done in this chapter and we have the miraculous done by faith or through faith. The many miracles listed here were accomplished and make no mistake about this, they were accomplished by God As the men and women stepped out by faith. They acted in belief and God performed the miraculous. Now here's the message. Every one of us here this morning should go outside and live by faith. Outside. Outside of what the world expects. Outside of what a society deems right. Outside of what we even think is rational. And inside the pages of the Word of God. And there's a reason we should go outside and live by faith. And that's because of the three benefits that are listed in these verses. Let me give them to you real quick. Benefit number one. When we go outside and live by faith, we can go where others cannot go. We can go where others cannot go. In verse number 29, the scripture says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. And of course, this is talking about God's people, the children of Israel. When they were leaving Egypt, and going toward the promised land, Pharaoh pursued them. And the scripture tells us in Exodus 14 verses 28 and 29, And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked across or walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. In other words, what saved one crushed the other. What saved the children of Israel destroyed Pharaoh and the armies of Egypt. Stay with me. The scripture says right here in verse 29 that by faith they passed through the Red Sea uh, as by dry land. Now watch this. Which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. The word assaying simply means attempting or trying. In other words, the, the Egyptians attempted to go in their ability where God took His children by His ability. You say, Preacher, why should I trust God and live by faith? Because you can go where others can not go. Why is that? Well, because of God's path and because of God's protection. Have you ever thought that God has a particular path for His children to walk? God has a way. God has a path. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. But most people don't read verse 7. It says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. What is it when we don't trust God? It's being wise in our own eyes. What was Pharaoh and the host of the Egyptian army? They were wise in their own eyes and they tried to do what could only be done with the help of God. Folks, I want to tell you, God has a way in which we should go. And when we go that way, He makes the way because of God's path and because of God's protection. I like Exodus chapter 15 verses 1 through 6. After God delivered them from Pharaoh's uh, army and they crossed the Red Sea in chapter 15, the very first Uh, Verse says, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And it goes on, the whole chapter describes the praises they give unto God. And it describes the song that they sang unto God. What's that mean? When we surrender to doing things God's way, He'll give us a song in our heart which is praise unto our God. Amen. Amen. You can go where others cannot go. You know, God. God has blessed our family and the ministry that He's given us, Unsheltered International, with an awesome ministry. We do. Uh, we're able to do a lot of stuff here in the U.S., but we have a ministry in the Philippines that's been going since 2015. And the 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 neat thing about that is that we never intended to do it. And I'll tell you what I mean. We began to pray in 2011 that God would let us have an international ministry. The ministry that I've been in since 1996, just two years after Pastor Carter led me to the Lord, was homeless ministry. That's where I feel comfortable. That's where I feel like I'm called. That's where I feel like I'm halfway... uh, halfway know what I'm doing, just because of of doing it and being being led and and doing that for so many years. Well, we were invited to go on a trip in uh, January of 2014 to the Philippines to help with disaster relief after a very deadly typhoon. And we were invited in November of 2013, and we left in January. And we were just going on a trip, a two-week trip. That's all it was supposed to be. And around about December, prior to that trip, one night, my wife, April, woke up during the middle of the night. Or I woke up, and she was already up. She's sitting straight up in the bed, crying profusely. I said, what's wrong? She said, I really don't know. I said, okay, I'm going to go back to sleep. I didn't know what to... She said, don't sleep, i got to talk to you. And she began to share her heart. She'd been watching YouTube videos and reading some news stories about adoption and about orphanages and all kinds of things to do with babies and children. She'd watch this one news uh, story about a church in South Korea that had made a baby drop for Mothers that were going to abandon their babies instead of those babies dying, they could drop them in this box at a church. And she told me that night, she said, I don't know what is going on in my heart. She said, But God keeps telling me that on this trip to the Philippines, He's going to change my life and it's going to involve children. I said, You're crazy. That didn't set well with me because my ministry is not to children, it's to adults. It's it's to you know people struggling with drugs and alcohol, homelessness, and all kinds of difficulties. And man, that just didn't set well with me. Well, it happened again a few weeks later. Same thing. She said God is just telling me that He's going to change my life on this trip, and it's going to have to do with children. And I thought, man, I don't know what. Is going on with her, but whatever. Well, we get on that trip, and that trip is where I met Pastor Antonio Nair. And for some reason, one night after the activities, we were sitting around the table, and I felt impressed of God to tell Pastor Nair, which is the Filipino national pastor that we were with, all about our homeless ministry. And Brother Kenny, as I was telling him that, he began to cry. And when he let me say all, and I, I, I just told him everything. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, you know, in the city I live in, there's dozens and dozens of children who are homeless and sleeping on the sidewalks. And I thought, okay, it didn't even register yet. Then he said, would you come? And bring your family and help me start a ministry to those children And I thought no <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like kids is what I was thinking. <laughs> That's not where I'm comfortable that I thought that would be way outside of my expertise. Then I began to we the conversation ended and I told April and She said, I told you. (laughs) So we came home and we began to pray. Here we had a wide open door to go start our first international ministry. But it was going to be primarily to children. And I had a decision to make. And really, in the back of my heart, if you can say that, I knew what God wanted us to do. I wanted to make excuses. I wanted to come up with reasons. I wanted to. But finally I said, you know what? This isn't even my dream. It was April's dream. And I I, I deducted that for years we'd been pursuing my ministry dreams. Now God had given April one. And I said, you know what? It ain't going to be easy. It it may not even be fun. It's probably going to be hard. I don't know what we'll do, but let's go. And so we went. And you know what God has done? Today, I'm talking about right now today, every week, more than 500 children, ages birth to about 13 or 14 years old, Every week, more than 500 children in three different countries, no, four different countries now, they're fed a nice meal, they're taught the Bible, and they're treated for first aid, and many of them are being saved and discipled and joining local churches. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, praise God. Here's the cool thing. I never saw it coming. I couldn't plan it. I couldn't work it. I couldn't organize it. God just said, here's a task. It won't seem normal. It won't seem in your zone, but you need to go do it. I found out that when you just trust God and step when He speaks, you can go where others cannot go. Let me ask you this question. How are you getting around in life? Are you still feeling your your own way? Isn't it time to take God at His word, trust Him and believe Him and let Him lead where He wants to go? You can go where others cannot go. But there's a second benefit of going outside and believing God by faith. And that's verse 30. It's in the story of Joshua conquering the city of Jericho. When we go outside of what's expected and trust God, we find out through this story that we can do what others cannot do. We can do what others cannot do. Listen to it. Verse 30. By faith the walls of Jericho Fell down after they were compassed about seven days. It doesn't say they were torn down. It doesn't say they were blown down. It does not say they were taken down. It doesn't even say they were knocked down. It says they fell down. And Joshua found out that moving when God says move and stopping when God says stop. Enabled him to do what others could not do. Why? Because of God's presence and because of God's plan. Because of God's presence, he was with them. And because of God's plan, he had something he was going to accomplish. Notice. Notice Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. That's where the story is. The Bible says, So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. How were they able to do this without an army uh, of any significance, without a real tactical approach, and without heavy artillery because of the presence of their God. Yeah. Folks, I hate to break the news to you, but the things in life that you need, they're not necessarily going to be going to come to you because of your education or because of your affluence or because of our status in the community. They're going to come because of the presence of our God in our life. James said, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. And there's something about believing God by faith and taking Him at His word that draws the presence of God near. Folks, can I tell you this? The Great Commission, you know that, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. The scripture says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. But usually we stop there. But the best part, I I like to say the greatest part of the Great Commission is the Great Companion. Jesus said, If you do these things, lo, I am with you. Always, folks, as we go and preach, as we teach, as we baptize, as we disciple people in the name of Christ, He's with us. He's with us. He's with us. We can do what others cannot do because of God's presence, but also because of God's plan. The real reason, don't miss this, the real reason that extraordinary things were accomplished was because God had a plan for Israel. He had a plan for His people. And that plan included the destruction of Jericho. Joshua simply dreamed of aligning himself with God. And he moved in that dream and obeyed when God said to go. John Phillips put it like this. He said, Jericho barred the way into Canaan, which was the promised land. It was a massive fortress, standing squarely aside the entrance into the promised land and blocking any advance. It was Satan's device for keeping the children of Israel from entering their possession. It was a formidable obstacle and would have been so to a well-trained, highly-equipped and well-seasoned army of Roman legionaries, let alone to the Hebrews who were barely amateurs or novices in the art of war. What does that mean? God was taking his children from here to here and Jericho was in the middle. God instructed Joshua what to do. Joshua obeyed by faith even though it didn't make sense. And the walls fell down and they took the city so they could get here. Yeah. In other words, faith is not just pulling something out of your hat and saying, oh, this. Yeah. Come on. Faith is acting upon what right. God has said. Yeah. It's aligning ourselves with what God is doing. Mm-hmm. It's getting in on God's plan. Right. What plan are you working today? Is it your plan? I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of planning my work and working my plan and then turning around and saying, Oh, where's God in all this? I like what, uh, in his book, Chase the Lion, Pastor Mark Batterson, he talks about Wilbur Wright and his dream of human flight. On May 30th, 1899, Wilbur wrote a letter to the Smithsonian Institute informing them that he'd begun a systematic study on human flight. He asked for everything written on the subject, which wasn't much at the time. But one book they sent him by a French farmer and poet and student of flight, Louis-Pierre Mullard, He said it was like a prophet crying in the wilderness exhorting the world to repent of its unbelief in the possibility of human flight. Exhorting the world to repent in its unbelief of the possibility of human flight. Then Batterson goes on to ask, what impossibility do you need to repent of? It's not just our sin that we need to repent of, but it might be our small dreams. And then he said something in this, in this paragraph that was like a gut punch to me. The size of your dream may be the most accurate measure of the size of your God wow, wow, how big is your God? Well, we know that how big God is. We know He's the creator. We know He's the sustainer. We know He's all-powerful and He's all-knowing. The question is, are we acting like that? Are we living like that? Are we obeying by faith like that? I have a good friend in uh, Blunt County at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Susan Moore. And uh, Steve and Kim Battles have been working with us in Unsheltered International in our resource clinic ministry for like three years now. They go to all the resource clinics, and they, uh, Kim is a nurse, and her husband Steve just does all kinds of different things to help us. Well, here several months ago, God put it on Steve's heart to take over the outreach efforts of Unsheltered International at our resource clinics. And he came to me, and he said, I want to do this, and uh, what do you think? And I said, praise God. We've been praying for somebody to help in this regard. And here, uh, just about a month or so ago, maybe a little more, he came to me again. He said, I want to buy an ambulance, and I want to convert the ambulance to be a mobile relief unit. We can stock it with uh, first aid supplies and socks and shoes and blankets and tents and uh, uh, food and anything to help homeless people survive. He said, I want to take an ambulance and use this ambulance as a mobile unit to help people. I said, wow, that's pretty awesome. He said, but I don't have a dime. I was like, you got a problem. And I I know what somebody's thinking. You're thinking, well, you shouldn't take uh, stuff like that to people. They need to work for themselves. Yes, they do. Say amen. Amen. But maybe what you're forgetting is about 70% of people experiencing chronic homelessness are severely mentally ill and they can't compete where you work and they're suffering in solitude and dying in the streets daily. Steve got a big burden for that. Well, he called me a couple days ago. I said, "Man, how's it going with raising money for the ambulance?" He said, "You won't believe it." He said in 10 days God has provided 14,600 and like $12. I said, man, yeah. I said, on one hand, you're right. I don't believe it. That's awesome. On the other hand, it's just like God. How in the world can you raise $14,000 in in, in 10 days? Well, when you take God literally and you just say, okay, God, I'm going to try this. I'm going to believe you. Sometimes God makes it where you can do what others cannot do. Let me ask you this before I move on. What have you been doing? Doing. I'm not saying just go get a a, a wild hair, but I'm saying find your dream. Make sure that it lines up with the scriptures and don't be afraid to step outside of what everybody else thinks. And watch what God does. Watch God move. Watch God bless. Watch God take you places you never thought you would go. Let me give you the third and final benefit of going outside and trusting God. When we go outside and trust God by faith, we can live where others cannot live. First, you can go where others cannot go. That's the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. Then you can do what others cannot do. That's the walls of Jericho falling down. And now... Verse 31 tells us you can live where others cannot live. And it's the story of Rahab the harlot. The scripture literally says in verse 31, By faith the harlot Rahab, watch this, perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Before they conquered Jericho, Joshua sent spies to check it out. They went into Rahab's house and she received them in. And in Joshua chapter 2 and verses 8 through 15, you can find the story. And I want to read you just a couple parts of this. The Bible says in verse 8, And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof. The spies come into her house, and then a knock comes on the door. The men of the city are looking for the spies, and she says, I don't know where are they at. They left while they go up to the roof and hide. And they leave, and she comes up to them. Says she came up to them on the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. In other words, I know God is going to destroy my city. And that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Now watch this. She says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt then she says going on down and as soon as we heard these things our heart did melt within us Rahab heard about God she heard about what God was doing she heard about what God was fixing to do everybody else heard it and their hearts melted but they hardened she heard it And her heart melted with conviction. And in a moment we'll find out that she could live when others could not live. Why? Because of God's preparation. And because of God's promise. Those spies came to her home and she struck a deal with them. In a nutshell, she said, look here. I'm hiding you. I'm taking care of you while you're here. Now do me a favor. She said, when you all come back, please save my father. Please save those of my household. I'm helping you. Would you please help me? And the spies said, God being our witness, when we come and take this city, everybody inside your house will be saved alive. She says, or, or they said, but if you break your promise and you tell them about our presence here, our deal is off. And she said, Hey, it's all good. My lips are sealed and I throwed away the key. Yeah. Then Joshua comes and Je- the walls of Jericho fall and everyone is destroyed except for Rahab and her family. Why was that? Well, it was because of God's preparation. Judgment was coming to her city, but God. God prepared a way for uh, for Rahab to live through that judgment. And you know what, folks? Judgment is coming to our house also. The Bible says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The scripture goes on to say that the wages of sin is death. But thank God, God prepared a way. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me show you something cool in Hebrews chapter 10. The chapter previous to this. You remember Hebrews is written uh, to those Jewish people who were trusting in God. But many of them were tempted to go back to the temple sacrifice system. And the whole chapter, chapter 11, by the way, is trying to convince them that trusting God by faith is better than the old way. Matter of fact, it's the only only way. That's why he said without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't do it this way. It has to be this way by faith. And in chapter 10, verses 4 through 7, watch what the writer says. For it is impossible or for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Listen. But a body thou hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. What that means is that the continual sacrifices of the the temple, God took no pleasure in that. Why? Because it was a continual sacrifice and it could never forgive sin. So what did God do? He prepared Jesus Christ in bodily form. God come to, uh, come to earth, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus was obedient unto God the Father and God prepared him a body to be given on the cross of Calvary. And by the way, he looked at his beloved son and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, the sacrifices of the temple could not please God. The only thing that could please God was the sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God that would take away the sins of the whole world. It pleased God. And folks, Rahab could live because she prepared a way for those spies. And you and I can live because God has prepared a way for us. The question is, are we willing to receive the gift that God has prepared for us? We can live where others cannot live because of God's preparation and because of God's promise. Those spies promised. Everybody behind that scarlet line, everybody in your household will be saved. And folks, God has made a promise to us. Romans 5, 9 and 10 says, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Let me ask you something. When When your life is over and done, will you be able to live with God forever? That's a legitimate question because the wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, separation from God. And that only happens in a place called hell. And if you're not trusting him by faith today to be the only sacrifice to take away the awful sins in your life once and for all, then you won't live where others live. It can't happen by human means. It can't happen by, uh, uh, by our persuasion. We can't buy our way in. But we can trust God by faith and live where others cannot live. Won't you stand with me this morning? I wonder this morning, will you trust God by faith? Maybe... Maybe this morning you're facing a task or a problem that's way over your head. Maybe you're facing something that's a difficulty and you have no idea what the escape route is, if there even is one. I wonder this morning if you'll come and find a place in the altar and just say, God... Today I'm coming and I want to believe you for this. I want to trust in you for this. And then maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking the biggest need in my life is to trust God to be my Lord and Savior and have my sins forgiven in a home in heaven. There's men and ladies on this altar and they're ready to talk to you about that and show you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your Savior. I want to take a moment and pray and then Brother Jalen's going to say, every head bowed, every eye closed, Father I love you. Thank you for the message and thank you for the truth of it. I pray God today touch us God. Lord our world is anti-God. It's going the opposite way of faith. Lord, I'm I'm hoping and praying there's some folks in here that are going the way of faith. Touch us and speak to our hearts and use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You